Welcome to another broadcast of Vendée Radio and today it is a great pleasure, great privilege to once again welcome Dr. John Rao. Dr. John Rao is a professor of history at St. John's University in New York. He is also the director of the eminent traditional organization, the Roman Forum, founded by Dietrich von Hildebrand and he is former president of Univoce America. Dr. Rao is an eminent historian and has published widely. Two of his very significant works are Black Legends and the Light of the World, The War of Words with the Incarnate Word, and Removing the Blindfold, 19th Century Catholics and the Myth of Modern Freedom. In my mind, Dr. Rao is one of the leading contemporary Catholic historians writing today, and it is an honor to be speaking to him once again. Dr. Rao, welcome back to Vendée Radio. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. Well, last time we spoke a couple of years ago uh, on Bondi Radio was regarding the Ninth Crusade, the revival of the, the church's fortunes uh, in many ways in the 19th century and the, uh, the response and the counter-revolution against the French Revolution, which of course was the culmination of the Enlightenment, what history has termed the Enlightenment, really was an endarkenment, but it was this idolatry of, of the intellect of human reason unaided by the light of faith and, and by divine grace. Um, but you have spoken and written very lucidly on the Enlightenment, the moderate and radical Enlightenment. And I'd just like to begin this discussion, which will be on the, the abolition of the Enlightenment, on the, the wrapping up of the Enlightenment that is ongoing today with some words that you communicated to uh, associates of the Roman Forum, which I think were quite profound in this regard. You said, quote, both our Catholic faith as well as the innate human reason that that faith has given us the courage to take seriously 
have long prepared us for the disaster that has finally overtaken the naturalist enlightenment world in the last 13 months. This was a couple of months ago. For let us remember that it is indeed that absurdly anti-Christian rationalist civilization that has now administered to itself a predictably irrational coup de grace. Nevertheless, I doubt that any of us expected the sheer audacity with which the perpetrators of an unparalleled pseudoscientific crime against humanity have forced their combination of arbitrary ideological and self-interested will upon the masses of the men and women of the materialist world that naturalism has created. Neither perhaps were we prepared for the overwhelmingly mindless slavishness with which the diktat of the oppressors has been unquestionably obeyed and enthusiastically endorsed by people who have long claimed to be stalwart defenders of critical thinking and free speech, who in 2019 would ever have dreamed that seemingly every free thinking liberal would summarily dismiss all rational debate and honest investigative reporting as conspiratorial madness, unworthy of consideration by people whose supposed common sense is now displayed through their pride in being isolated from one another, muzzled, locked down, bankrupted, and used as laboratory animals for big pharmaceutical companies. Well, maybe some of us, given the liberal historical track record. We Catholics who are aware of the full horror of the crime against humanity that has been perpetrated and how this is evil is consciously being used to strangle all that is true, good and beautiful, have a greater responsibility than ever before to maintain our commitment to a faith that is the real bulwark of reason and civilization, a faith that has never betrayed us either as individuals or as social beings. It is impossible to overemphasize the need for us to embrace our enhanced mission to learn more and to act more vigorously against the anti-religious oligarchy oppressing us, not as lone rangers masked and six feet apart from our neighbours, but as noble, militant members of the mystical body of Christ interacting with one another face to face, end quote. And then you go on to introduce the programme for the, the summer Roman form, forum uh, symposium, which will be non-virtual and in-person, fully Catholic and fully human, Deo Gratias. So I thought that was a very eloquent description of the travails, the tribulations that we have all experienced in the last year and a half. And I think you've really hit on there the fact that the Enlightenment universals, these, these features of the Enlightenment, the irrational uh, Enlightenment ideology, um, such as democracy, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, universal education, even the scientific method have, have all sort of found themselves on the chopping block, whether it's uh, with the, the American election fraud last year or it's with the attempts to frustrate Brexit uh, here in the United Kingdom, the growing censorship on the Internet, uh, the clampdown on freedom of speech, the, the blanket censorship of any uh, scientific opinion that departs from the conventional manufactured pandemic narrative, the fact that universal education has been turned off for many months as students learn through technical devices, supposedly. And then the, the just the willful denial on the, the promulgation of all sorts of lies, such as the prevalence of asymptomatic transmission, the spreading of COVID on services, the reliability, the, the fraudulent PCR test, with that long introduction, just to say that the enlightenment itself is being wrapped up. 
That's how you've been. In fact, I'm rather impressed at what I wrote. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. And what, what strikes me, um, just looking at what has happened and thinking about it some more is the, um, is the logic of the way all of this has developed. And once again, uh, the, um, the, the prophetic awareness of what was going to happen on the part of the people that taught me, uh, not taught me personally, but taught me through their works, the ones that I focused on uh, primarily from the 19th century, they, they, they saw this as the obvious end result of uh, uh, the supposed opening of the human mind, which would actually be a shutting down of it. Yes, and it's, it's quite notable how this, this wrapping up of the Enlightenment could be characterized as part of a, a shift, a transition from modernity to post-modernity. And I'm sure you're aware of the famous dialogue between Jürgen Habermas, the, the German atheistic philosopher, with uh, then Cardinal Ratzinger, where he tries to almost kind of recruit the church sort of through Ratzinger to help buttress and defend these enlightenment universals that he quite rightly identifies as being under threat from uh, post the postmodernists. Yes, yes, yes. No, I, I, uh, I, I think of, I think of, 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 of Ratzinger Benedict a good deal in this regard. Uh, remember the comment that he made that got him into such trouble when he quoted, I think, the, um, the, the uh, Eastern Roman Emperor uh, John about the, uh, the Muslims lacking a logos. Uh, and uh, in point of fact, that's what the Enlightenment lacks is a logos. Uh, and it has always been, as far as I can see it, uh, rooted ultimately in the whole nominalist problem and the whole adulation of will and ultimately power over everything else. Yes, and so when you see today the outright denial of the biological reality of sex, the claim, the representation of the scientific method or of logic or of being on time as uh, white patriarchal constructs, when you reach that level of absurdism, you're, you're saying that that's actually, those phenomena are actually very much on a trajectory, the, the, the end point of a trajectory of the early Enlightenment, which it itself was uh, based on a truncated vision of human reason. Yes. Well, I mean, I would go back even further than that. Uh, one of the most important uh, works that's, that influenced my own development is a five-volume work from the 1920s and 30s, an author that you can find very little biographical information about named Lagarde, which is called the, um, the birth of the lay spirit in the late middle ages. And um, Lagarde talking about the development of the whole battle uh, that philosophically is represented by uh, the extreme nominalist movement. Uh, he, he points out already uh, in the, um, the roots of this in the late 1100s, 1200s in particular, he, he points out how what you've got uh, is a, a movement of uh, heretical ideas, uh, a, a denial of the um, ability of the human mind to be able to uh, to be able to really achieve anything, as though any effort on the part of the human mind to reach some kind of 
universal conclusions about things is blasphemous against God and money. He says all of these three things together are clearly operating to bring down uh, the movement on the part of uh, the Catholic Church in particular to, to use uh, more modern terminology, transform all things in Christ. And uh, already in that five-volume set, which is dealing with a period from the late 1100s down through uh, the, the 14th century, the 15th century rather, what you've got is, um, I think, what lies behind um, the practical development of the Reformation and then the Enlightenment. Uh, and then now this, uh, this, this uh, bizarre, ultimately um, uh, Nazi-like phenomenon that we're dealing with right now, the triumph, the triumph of the will just the triumph of the will and the mm. exaltation in your power in order to be able to have that will triumph while at the same time claiming that you're still committed to this grand movement of, uh, of science and, uh, and, and freedom. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I doubt that in Britain um, you've had, or maybe you've went to it, uh, you find on 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 the um, the uh, windows and on the the uh, the, the front doors of uh, the the liberal minded uh, folk around the United States, this this uh, list of desiderata or claims, um, which says things like science matters, um, uh, black lives matter, and it goes through a whole litany of different things that's supposed to then show that you are a defender of all things true, good, and beautiful, uh, but it's all in the service of this, um, this power play, which once again is being dominated by an oligarchy uh, of forces which, uh, well, I mean, our one hope is that they're not necessarily all united with one another. And you can see now that a number of them seem to be tossing those who look weaker under the bus <laughs> in order to protect themselves, beginning here with, with uh, dear Dr. Fauci. Mm. Yes, that very um, that concept of the scapegoat um, yeah. is something that they they seem to resort to time and again. But I think I think with the the, the overall COVID psyop, you have a convergence of of many different interests, perhaps opportunistic, perhaps more coordinated. Right. Certainly, pharmaceutical companies enjoyed huge dividends financially. You know, Wall Street was bailed out or given something to the tune of something like six trillion dollars blackrock was given to play with and the the wealth transfer that represents with the the forced shutdown of small businesses in particular and the ability to buy up property with that kind of devastation of the the local economies st paul obviously says that the the love of money is at the root of well yeah the translation is either the root of all evils or the root of all kinds of evils but i think there are some of these oligarchy interests, which certainly are looking to profit financially, but also they perhaps have an even more overtly diabolical agenda right. with this, you know, desire to create a totalitarian digital control system. Right. Well, uh, it's, it's a number of things that I've read over the past um, year combined together with, uh, with um, research I had to do, I was forced to do actually to take part in a conference, one conference in particular a number of years ago, um, and then combined together with my, my, my own personal research into the enlightenment of all, all worked together to make 
um, vivid just how horrible this uh, this this world that uh, a number of these 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 uh, powerful forces are eager to bring into being. Um, there's a, um, a a friend of mine who's come to the program in Italy a number of times. I don't know whether I should mention his name, lest there be repercussions <laughs> against his academic position. Uh, but he um, wrote a, uh, a, uh, a kind of popularization of research that's been done by, by uh, a number of people at uh, the Sorbonne and in Harvard about the, uh, the technological developments that enable those who are willing to pay for them and, and, and use them uh, to be able to really set up a control system over uh, the globe at large in ways that even just 20 years ago would have seemed science fiction-like in character. And um, uh, his description of this, and I can't remember whether this comes from the, uh, uh, the, 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 the more scientific-based uh, researchers or whether this is his own, his own way of popularizing it, but was rooted in, in um, uh, Jeremy Bentham's prison reform scheme of the 19th century, the uh, yeah, yeah, uh, because apparently the technological um, the technological developments that now are uh, at the command of um, of the media and of um, and of, of uh, great concentrations of power that want to use uh, the technology for 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 money purposes or perhaps a combination of political and money purposes is such that that it's like the panopticum, that the, the ones who are in control um, are hidden to those who are being controlled uh, and, and yet have the strings attached to all of those who can't see who's controlling them uh, very, very firmly in their hands. Uh, even a short time ago, I would have considered this myself to have been conspiratorial in character, mm -hmm. but it's quite clear that it's not at all. It's the reality that we, we live in. Then, you know, um, talk about this uh, conference that I was forced to do research for some, some years ago. It was, um, it was a conference, uh, an international legal, Catholic legal conference organized by this good friend of mine, Miguel Ayuso from Spain, held in Mexico. And it was on transhumanism and posthumanism. And he wanted me to be able to talk about this subject in a broader historical context. I told him I knew nothing about it. He said, well, this is a good opportunity to learn something about it. And it was a big eye opener to me doing that research, because once again, um, it made clear to me that there were honestly these people who were putting into practice uh, these projects, which would have seemed science fictional in character to me just a short time before. And once again, that um, they involved um, the, 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 the crew at Davos, they involved Bill Gates, they involved vaccinations, they involved genetic research, they involved all kinds of, um, of, of, of uh, projects and tools that uh, bringing into the public view on the part of people like ourselves are treated as though they're conspiratorial in character, but which are, are, are advertised by these people in their own writings and in their own websites. And then to go back to the uh, personal enlightenment research of mine, 
I can't remember whether last we talked, I may have even mentioned this, but uh, Diderot, Diderot in his, his, his discussions um, in the 18th century of, um, of developing matter, because he's a Spinozan and he's an evolutionist in his own right. He, he just notes outrightly that the idea that there's anything that's distinctly animal, vegetable, and mineral that can't transmute into anything else is ridiculous because everything can become something other. <laughs> and so he there in the 18th century at the beginning or developing the beginning radical enlightenment arguments already is stating the, um, the, the, um, the, the end, the end result. He, he, he would not be, Diderot would not be surprised to um, hear what the transhumanists and posthumanists have to say and would apparently rejoice um, in the fact that there are all kinds of uh, tools available to achieve what their horrible, horrible projects are, are, are aiming at. Yes, it's it, what Dr. Alan Fimister called metaphysical trench foot. Um, <laughs> the idea that there are no... There are no natures of things and that you just bleed into things. But I think it's it's quite it's quite notable what you say about the the Enlightenment thinkers themselves seeing today's events as a fulfillment of their their vision in because the the current running through it is others is Gnosticism, this idea that creation itself is a mistake or somehow flawed. So with transhumanism you have in a way that the culmination of that, that, that I'm going to kind of escape the prison of my body and upload my consciousness into a computer, or I am actually a woman in, on the inside and I, I need to kind of to mutilate my own body in order to correspond my physical form to my, in my inner true self. The, the Gnosticism is more and more sort of overt. Right, right. Well, of course, again, now that this has been transmitted to the population at large, uh, it, it's it's um, it's uh, wildest magical and gnostic uh, 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 and potentially um, uh, just um, uh, explosive character is, is clear. I mean, in a man like Diderot, for example, Diderot in, in his letters uh, at times laments what uh, will come as a result of the whole project that, uh, that he's engaged in, uh, because he's, he's, he was himself a literary man. And he talks about the fact that what's going to disappear uh, in this uh, is the whole literary world, which is the world that provided him the abilities to transmit his message in the first place. Mm-hmm. And what's gonna get left? I mean, I, he, I don't remember him saying anything about about this, but I mean, it, it seems quite obvious to me that once you have an ability to achieve what it is that um, he seems to be indicating, you're going to have the ability to achieve, but it's in the hands of the mob in general, what you're going to get is just simply grunts and groans of cave animals <laughs> uh, mm. manipulating uh, the end result. So the end result might be scientifically quite developed, but what will come in the generation after that, I don't I, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 sorry, I'm, I seem to be skirting around a, uh, plunging into an issues, but uh, I, it always, it always, it always amuses me that, you know, the, the, the international Marxist community that um, traveled and spoke many languages uh, ended up 
producing the world of Joseph Stalin's who were parochial mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and had no familiarity with anything other than um, the, 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 the power structure that, um, that uh, Marxism, Soviet Marxism, Marxism-Leninism gave them. And similarly with the American Revolution, all of these, uh, these Latin and Greek and French speaking American revolutionaries ended up creating a generation of Andrew Jacksons who were really just manipulators of, of democratic power and had no interest in what it is or no ability to be able to play around with what created the world that they, they, they lived in. So these people, yes, I mean, they've, they've created um, or they've helped to create this incredible technology and scientific, um, scientific machine uh, that uh, that will be placed or is placed in the hands of people who I don't think will be able to maintain it for any length of time, um, and whether it will all go up in just simply one big explosive uh, uh, disaster, or just uh, uh, be left in the hands of people who 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 don't know what to do with it, like children having uh, some machines at their disposal. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yes. A feature of the revolution with a capital R, well, is the fact that it is inherently contradictory and incoherent. Right. Uh, the, the only commonality one can draw is the utter hostility towards the church and Christian civilization. That's the characteristic that these, all these revolutionaries sort of share. And I, I suppose a symbol of this, someone noted was the crown of thorns that it's it's got the the thorn as the punishment of adam is a plant with too many points uh, too right, many sure. vertices you know then it, it's it's completely chaotic and that's what you see with the revolution as well i wonder when with these men of the republic of letters diderot i mean going further back descartes famously talked about being uh, receiving some kind of revelation from an angel of light how right. how how much do you think these these uh, revolutionary figures are are in kind of direct contact with the preternatural and the fallen angels actually sort of give them gnosis about certain things to to help sort of propel the dissolution of Christendom? Well, you know, I mean, ironically, um, ironically, uh, if, if my memory serves me correctly, it seems as though the ones that are more in contact with uh, with uh, what we would consider to be esoteric and potentially demonic forces are, are a lot of the people who are involved with, um, with uh, uh, the more moderate enlightenment. <laughs> uh, I mean, for example, uh, what is her name? Margaret Jacobs, I think it is, um, who's done a lot of research on, on, on the, uh, the radical and the moderate enlightenment. And uh, she has... Uh, been one of the scholars who's made clear just how much Freemasonic circles are 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 uh, very much important historically, and um, and in the 18th century, in the 19th century, Masonic circles obviously in France and elsewhere become more radical in character, but they viewed themselves as being in the 18th century uh, tied in with um, with uh, uh, with Deist ideas, with the idea of a creator God. And they seem to have played around with, with all sorts of esoteric um, 
uh, uh, movements much more. I don't think Descartes, I mean, I don't think um, Diderot was involved with that, that kind of stuff. Um, one person who is uh, a radical in the democratic sense, uh, in the democratic sense of the Enlightenment, um, not, not a kind of Lockean who wants a really an, an oligarchy to control things, uh, but who's very active in the American realm is, is Tom Paine, Thomas Paine, um, who very much, very much served to radicalize the American Revolution with his book Common Sense in 1776. He, he was involved in esoteric circles um, of, of various sorts, the exact nature of which I, I, I can't remember, but they, they do lurk around there um, mm. and play a role. Um, I, I, I think I think the more radical forces consider themselves to be above that. I mean, the, the, the founders of the whole thing. Descartes, Descartes, of course, he claims much more Christian inspiration um, from um, from from uh, uh, visiting shrines in Italy, from, uh, uh, from um, uh, uh, Loretto, I think it is. It's, uh, I think it's his visit to Loretto, uh, which, which is one of the things that he points to as inspiring him. And then this famous incident uh, during the Thirty Years' War where uh, he, he uh, feels inspired to try to work to rebuild unity in a fashion that somehow gives him the ability to dismiss everything that everybody else has done before him, uh, to begin thinking from scratch again. But, um, but it's, it's there. It is there, but it's not necessarily as neat as we would want to think it is, you know, that, uh, that we could um, uh, 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 you know, associated clearly with uh, the most logical radical thinkers. It certainly plays a great role in, um, in the more, you know, willful um, uh, uh, movements that are spewed forth from the Enlightenment, particularly, say, in the, uh, in the, gen in the, um, the creation of something like, like, uh, like uh, Nazism. I mean, there, there, there's definitely esoteric, uh, um, uh, forces that are that are that are involved, and then that ties in with all kinds of romantic nationalist, democratic nationalist, um, um, uh, radical Carbonari movements. They 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 they're steeped in this stuff, and that 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 is in many cases demonic in character. Yes, Dr. Plinio Crea Oliveira, you're probably aware, observed that the revolution has different gears. So, and he he said that. Um, in many ways, a low-speed revolution like Anglicanism is far more effective than a high-speed right. revolution like Anabaptist Munster in the 16th century because it's too radical for that time and it, it provokes a, a reaction. Whereas Anglicanism, as uh, I think David Hume said, was so effective at causing the apostasy of the English people because it sort of lulled them to sleep that they were still had some kind of observance of the, the gospel and, and worship of God, while simultaneously sort of slowly dismantling the Christian social order. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I'm glad that you brought up Anglicanism, because I'm thinking now um, uh, in a way that then brings up a, a number of these converging forces that uh, that played a role in uh, destroying the Catholic Church in the uh, in the twentieth century, uh, on the basis of um, uh, new theology and liturgical changes and uh, ec ecumenical activity and the like. Uh, because 
I remember from my Oxford days uh, and, um, and, 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 and also certain studies that I, I, I was doing involving 19th and then early 20th century um, religious developments, just how much there was a connection between uh, certain, not, not all, I don't want to uh, you know, tarnish uh, uh, real serious believers in this regard, but there was a, there was a connection uh, between certain high Anglican circles that were very fond of the entire liturgical, high liturgical tradition and esoteric movements, um, uh, very much rooted in Oxford also in the, uh, in the, uh, the years, I think in particular in the 20s and 30s, maybe even earlier. And in fact, some of the people that I worked with would, would bring up names. I can't remember the names. If there, there, there was a, a, a deep interest in a number of mystical-minded, litur high liturgical-minded figures trying to escape from what was considered to be the overly legalistic Roman tradition and, uh, and, uh, um, and Thomistic uh, philosophical tradition and, uh, and then uh, find ways to build bridges to some of the more esoteric, uh, orthodox, mystical uh, uh, sources and the like that, that um, end up playing around with phenomenon that are, I think, dangerous in character. Um, and in fact, I remember also, uh, I remember also uh, Alice von Hildebrand, and this is going back way, this is going way back into the, uh, into the, the 70s and the early 80s. I remember Alice von Hildebrand talking about, um, about um, certain of the, um, of the, uh, the, the circles of the 20s and 30s that her husband, Dietrich von Hildebrand, was familiar with, uh, ending up um, exploring different esoteric um, realms that they then backed, uh, backed away from, backed away from, um, but um, involving the occult, really. So I, 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 there, there seems to be something something appealing about that, um, that, that whole uh, esoteric uh, occult phenomenon that everybody trying to escape uh, more the more rational and dogmatic uh, Catholic past, find, find it gives them a little frisson, you know, of excitement. Yes, and it is occult, it is secret. I wouldn't be surprised if, if a lot of the preternatural interventions in history are more subtle than perhaps people might presume. A chap called Joe Atwill, who was who said, Facebook was created in order to lock us down. <laughs> and you can think of that in, in terms of a grand conspiracy where they created Facebook in 2005 or wherever, and they planned to, to lock us up in 2021, which could be the case, but it also could be the case that someone who is struggling with a certain sin in their life, for example, receives a, an illumination or a, an idea from the the dark powers and you know creates that form of social media and then the the fallen angels are also planning this uh, lockup that we've seen in the last year and a half you know 15 years down the line so there's there is a diabolical intelligence but it's not necessarily um, sort of disaggregated amongst various human actors but there's certainly the case that that this tool facebook social media has made possible a, a, a mass confinement of people in a way that I don't think would have been possible even 
20 years ago, it, it creates this tremendous sort of docility um, right. and, and kind of acceptance of having one's civil rights completely violated right. by the authorities. No, I, th- no, I think that's absolutely true. And it, it, it's the logic of it all seems to have fallen into place. I mean, the logic of it in the sense of now looking back and seeing that, uh, that, um, that uh, 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 despite its, its, its valuable, its valuable uh, aid, the, the, the computer, and then all of the, the phones and the constant poking at, at, at the phones and focusing on, on just your own private uh, 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 phone conversation, even in the midst of a crowd of 10 other people at a dinner party, um, that it, it's, it's all work together to, to create a mindless uh, population that's, that's then willing to operate in a cultic way um, as, as all of these different developments that we've seen have developed their own cultic um, demands um, uh, that that are being followed by people. I mean, the whole the mask cult and the cult of the of the vaccine and the cult of of uh, of uh, acceptance of every kind of radicalization on the part of people you never would have expected to accept this. It's all it all does to work together and work together in a way that um, that uh, on the surface uh, uh, apparently contradicts what uh, the goals of the people. Um, first promoting it seemed to be all about. I mean, globalism and globalists have led to a world in which everybody's locked up in their own particular country yes. and in their own particular neighborhood and their own particular house. Um, yes. uh, I, 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 I find that just like with the Facebook phenomenon, quite, quite extraordinary. Facebook, which is supposed to connect sensors, globalism, which is supposed to unite people, is now creating a world where everyone's trapped, separate from one another bizarre yes. they're, they're being punished in a way by by um by being shown for creating the total contradiction the total total opposite of what they claim that they were in favor of and if that's not diabolical if that's not diabolical disorientation you know <laughs> i don't know what is uh but but it is it is it is disturbing one thing that's been good let's say for example in my neighborhood uh, where i am i'm in Greenwich Village has got a reputation for being a place which is among the most progressive in the world, but it's got a, also a, 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 a solid core of people who are strong enemies of all of this stuff as well. And one thing that's happened uh, over the course of the past 15 months, and for me personally, has been a great joy to discover a core of resistance um, in my neighborhood uh, that has linked me together with people that I've seen on the street and can recognize the faces of, but never knew that I shared uh, a, um, a spiritual union with. Mm. And a lot of them, I should say a lot of them, but for, for a number of them they have come into contact with, they've dotted the I's and crossed the T's on, um, on what has happened historically, which has been an eye-opener for them. And uh, I'm thinking of one woman in particular whom I know who uh, now finds herself the enemy of all sorts of causes that she had been in favor of for most of her life because she's seen now where they really lead. So, so that's hopeful. But um, Yes, I but see still- many green, green shoots like that, yes. And surprising people who turn their lives around or, or are suddenly curious about 
the faith and uh, understand the 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 inevitable consequences of the culture of death in the way that they they might not have in a time of prosperity and seeming peace so I, I yes i think god has brought great good out of it and as you say all the sort of personally i've been going to sort of clandestine masses when they've been not prohibited and clandestine social gatherings and really that instinct to return to the catacombs and and sort of grow below ground people being drawn to that but to go back to the logic of the development uh what what I, I, I just plucked out uh, of um, Philip Hughes to use for this program that we're going to be having in the, in the next couple of weeks, I, I plucked out this, uh, this uh, lengthy um, statement that he makes in the last of his, his volumes on church history, which unfortunately end at the time of the chamber was able to extend that work uh, in the detail that he did beforehand. I still find Philip Hughes one of the most enlightening uh, mm. church historians, Catholic church historians, but he's got a description of Luther and what Luther uh, has done. And uh, his description of what Luther is all about, what Luther has done, emphasizes the fact that he is really in effect put together everything that was developing um, in a way that was contrary to uh, the main line of the development of the Catholic Church. He put together all of that um, in a brilliant way and then added his own uh, 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 personal and very, very effective rhetorical manner of, of presenting it uh, in a fashion that connects with the book that I mentioned, the volumes I mentioned beforehand, the Lagarde volumes about what was happening in the late Middle Ages as a whole. And, and he, he summarizes it, and you can see when you read Philip Hughes' comment how it all fits together and how it ultimately connects with what I mentioned before. Lagarde's statement, it's heretical ideas. Um, it is, um, it is uh, oh, I, 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 for, I, I don't think that I added to uh, the, uh, uh, the recipe that he brought up, the, uh, the, the, the need for the rhetorical. You need the sophistic rhetorical um, uh, talent to be able to present uh, these heretical ideas together. And you need money, and you need the money. You need the money people who don't want to be bothered by being held back by anything that is a restraint from the, uh, the Socratic Christian tradition. It's all there logically developed. And I, I now see exactly the same thing with what we've experienced the past 15 months. It, it's, just, um, it's just the logical conclusion of everything that has come about, not just through the Enlightenment ideas, but the previous revolutionary ideas uh, now brought together uh, and then um, and then demanding assent to the kind of world that it wants to create, uh, but with this, this, this uh, again, bizarre, satanic, cultic, um, uh, uh, liturgical uh, 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 envelope um, in which the masks and the vaccines as a sacrament, you know, and, and all the rest play their, play their, their role. But it, I could just, I could... I can see a Philip Hughes, a man with the talent of the Philip Hughes, taking his citation there about Luther and then just simply applying it 
to the whole COVID madness um, and uh, the Davos madness and uh, uh, all of the uh, the other groups that are contributing to all of this and saying, well, this is the logical, just the logical end to everything that uh, that uh, has been propagated since the uh, the 17th century, you know, tying into what came beforehand. That's fascinating. Yes, I think tr great minds have seen that that history isn't circular or cyclical, but it it is fractal, or there are recurring patterns and archetypes, certain narrative logics that that play out, and I think you see that with the pattern of revolution. And that's why I think studying the Protestant revolution, studying the French revolution repays the effort is very important. I've been reading recently a book on Philippe Duc d'Orléans, Philippe Egalité, uh, the godfather of the revolution who bankrolled it. And some of the work uh, the historian Auguste Cochin did to analyse some of those sort of uh, secret networks that were sort of conspiring before the revolution to destabilise the Ancien Regime and some of the, the money trails to different uh, Jacobin clubs in the Palais Royal um, right. that, that he was at the centre of. It, it, I think that, that can be helpful to then analyse our current situation as to where the power is being, you know, where it resides and, and where it's pulling the strings for different narratives and different uh, revolutionary figures. Right. Well, you know, also to, to go back still further down, so, so that, you know, we've gone from what we're experiencing now to uh, as a summary of everything that's developed since the Enlightenment. And then that tapped into the Reformation as being a summary of everything that was developing from the 1100s onwards uh, to build the Reformation and then the Enlightenment and so on and so forth. Uh, to go back to what I mentioned in the Black Legends book uh, at the very beginning, which, which, which extends the history still more, uh, and then which is so ably presented by uh, the, uh, the volumes of the great German scholar Werner Jaeger in his, 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 his book uh, Paideia, Greek Paideia, and then a subsequent volume of his um, Greek Paideia and Early Christianity, um, it's, it's, it's again... That, that, that anger um, that is represented by the sophists at the mm -hmm. Socratic attempt to step back and judge whether human action really is something that can serve as its own, um, its own measure um, or whether you need something else involving the mind and then ultimately something beyond the mind uh, to correct your activity the anger of the sophist and the, 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 the insistence upon uh, rejecting that whole project and then just imposing the human will and then linking yourself up with every force that wants to be able to just seek power and riches uh, without any kind of restraint on it, that's, that's, that's already clear there as something which is going to give birth to the effort to try to forestall the whole Catholic project of transformation in Christ, and then the whole project to, uh, to, to, uh, to bring down the rational and the religious and then even the scientific revolution on the part of these transhumanists and posthumanists that we see now who just simply want things to be whatever it is that they want them to be. So, I mean, it's, it's there really, you know, from, 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 from that ancient um, that ancient origin, 
And, um, and then, you know, if you want a summary of the whole thing, once again, I'm, I'm always, struck, always struck by the comment of Plato in his, in his laws, where he says, he says, you know, he says, in, in order for the individual to resolve his problems, he needs a good society. In order for a good society to resolve its problem, to, to be created, needs good individuals. And then he says, I don't see how this problem is going to be resolved unless some God comes to save us. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we believe that, that he did with Christ, but that doesn't end the problem because we have to still cooperate with it. And right now, I mean, um, uh, you know, my, my, my evening, my evening, I don't mean to be, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be flippant about this, but my, my evening salvation comes with my gin and tonic, but that's not going to do the trick. And uh, that, um, if, 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 if I oftentimes don't see how we're going to be able to deal with this, unless some, some sort of help from beyond comes to end our, our woes. Yes, well, there's been various prophecies about, a, obviously, a great chastisement, and many Catholics believe that is. Uh, but, of course, the, the great obstacle to this, well, particularly this PSYOP of the last year, should be the Catholic Church, right. uh, should be the hierarchy, should be lay Catholics. And a friend of mine talks about how there is a kind of wrapping up or a winding down. So as to what you described of the church declaring to the entire world that the sacraments were a non-essential service and, and shutting, shutting churches, shutting down public masses, sometimes preempting government dictates to do so. But this prompts the question, why are bishops doing this? Um, and my friend says the, that perhaps that is the point. Perhaps some officials of the Catholic Church are in the process of winding down an organisation that the management no longer see as necessary. Um, and politicians almost doing the same thing, kind of winding down the nation state, which they think won't exist in a century. It might not be explicit in their minds, but it's every institution, in a sense, natural and divine, seems to be going through what Gibbon observed of the nations of the Roman Empire just before the, the migration period. Right, right. No, no, no that, that, that is, I mean, certainly when you think about it from uh, the religious standpoint, it, it was, um, I mean, in a positive way in this regard, but nevertheless, it, it, it serves as an analogy. Um, it, it's, it's, it's to a large degree pagan priests who wound down paganism because they did not feel that it had any real leg to stand on. And in that case, there was a positive result that many of them transferred over to the, the Christian um, uh, uh, scheme of things. But then again, Again, it was Catholic priests to a large degree who um, initiated the Protestant Reformation. And uh, it's also uh, a number of insider figures inside the monarchy and inside the church who aided the, uh, the, the whole revolutionary movement of the late 18th century. And it, 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 it's uh, given the fact that uh, a lot of people who, who, who enter into higher realms of power often do so for less than less than uh, substantive motives, uh, it, it stands to reason that there could be well a lot of the people who are in positions of authority in the church who are looking to use this current situation as an excuse to just simply take the money and run, <laughs> you know, just get mm -hmm. out of anything that is, um, is real 
that's Catholic um, and, um, and, um, and, and, and then, you know, jo and just join with the, uh, uh, what the future um, uh, holds in store or what they think the future holds in store for us. Uh, but it is extraordinary, yeah. I mean, you, it, 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 it does look as though uh, the uh, political authorities just simply have thrown up their hands and have decided to dismantle things. And uh, it's still hard to figure out who it is that's winning out of all of this and, uh, um, and uh, how much incompetence uh, ent enters into what's being done as opposed to conscious design. Very hard to figure out, but uh, uh, it seems to be certainly a, um, a free-for-all with everybody leaping into the pit together <laughs> in yes. an extraordinary way that's never before. Yeah. I mean, in the past, there's always been at least some segment of, um, uh, of, of some authority that was there to serve as a kind of safety net. But now, now you know, going the oligarchy argument. Uh, uh, the 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 Angelus magazine, which is the 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 SSPX magazine here in the the states, had uh, uh, its latest issue on the current situation. So I wrote them this article, which is called "Gangster Society, Gangster State, Gangster Church," uh, <laughs> because of the fact that that it strikes me that uh, that what you've got coming out of the entire uh, modern mentality and the breakdown of everything is precisely uh, criminally ideological or just downright criminal oligarchies taking control of society, taking control of the state, and now in effect taking control of the, the, the church, the people who are not rooted in any kind of rational or, or, or um, revealed law and just pure, pure will. Um, from the top on down. <laughs> yes, and the fact that there was, even if you buy into the the narrative about the relative danger of COVID nineteen, which is you know highly suspect because of the padding of the figures, the inflation of the figures, the the use of the fraudulent PCR test to create a case demic, and all these different things, the labelling of of other respiratory illnesses, uh, respiratory deaths as COVID-19. Um, even, even if you buy into the, the mainstream narrative, the, the absence of any kind of cost-benefit analysis of weighing up whether locking down, of whether you know, saving 82-year-olds from dying then rather than dying when they were 83 or 84, uh, of weighing that up against the effects of lockdown and the... Uh, devastating psychological effects and economic effects on the on the on the, the social fabric the social cohesion the fact that that, that debate is not permitted in the mainstream right. media is uh, indicative of serious malevolence and the fact that the the episcopate large in large part sort of buy into the narrative and assume have this a priori assumption of goodwill on the part of the oligarchs who are the same people who are promoting, you know, mutilation of children and slaughter of children with the unborn. The idea that they would sort of, you know, be of goodwill um, and that you should receive a kind of experimental injection that they've come up with um, is, it's incredible. It really is incredible. But again, uh, just talking about uh, the unity of all of these forces together, 
it's it's one of the things that always um, uh, always strikes me is that um, uh, the um, one of the greatest uh, frauds of the modern world uh, involving the idea that you're promoting the separation of church and state uh, has led to the the tightest union of church and state in support of a common cultic uh, dogma um, that's ever existed in the history of the history of the world. I mean, uh, the Pope touts the same line as every political leader, the pharmaceutical companies, big tech, Davos, they're all promoting exactly the same, the same theme. And, um, and we're supposed to uh, uh, be praising uh, the society that we live in for having divided up these various powers, uh, but it doesn't, it's true. It's just not true. Uh, and um, and uh, uh, once again, uh, it's clear that you've got this oligarchic minority, but nevertheless, are they united really ultimately? Um, uh, can they be united given the fact that they all have the same seemingly purely naturalist materialist vision of things which would lead them to sacrifice one another if 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 uh, a profit or or any other kind of 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 personal gain might enter into the picture um will they destroy one another in the process of uh, building this brave new world that they're creating i i, I don't know it's it's just un, unclear uh where this mm. is uh, where this is ultimately all going? Uh, will it fall apart of its own steam? Will uh, will some great saint come up to be able to help to guide us? Um, uh, we're just waiting, you know. Just wait. Yes. Patience has never been my virtue. <laughs> so, uh, it's it's quite hard. <laughs> I, I sympathise, um, Doctor Rao. You've been very generous with your time. I wondered if I could just ask you about your thoughts on the traditional movement and its place in this this overall story. Um, there have been rumours of a suppression of Samorum Pontificum uh, on the horizon, and the movement has undoubtedly grown in the last year, as thankfully more, more people have uh, opened their eyes to the depth of corruption in the society and, and also sadly in the church, and have uh, embraced the sort of fullness of the Catholic faith uh, as expressed in the in the fullness of the church's liturgical tradition, orthodox communities. So, and th this is now attracting the notice of the oligarchs. It's sort of like the eye of Sauron has kind of turned. How, I mean, how do you see that happening? I mean, you're a veteran of you know long years of of basically persecution on part of many church authorities of the traditional community. But it seems like traditional community traditional movement is too strong for that now. No, I th I, I don't think that we will ever go back to the situation that we were in beforehand. It's, first of all, uh, we're, it's much too self-conscious now, the traditionalist movement. It's much too self-conscious. Uh, self um, it, it is more and more becoming the church. Uh, uh, the, 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 um, the, uh, one, one could see this for, for decades already. Every time one went to Chart and saw the youth marching in the seminarians the priests who are part of the traditionalist movement um it's it's just much 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 too strong now and the the the, the so-called main story as you get and you do get very good seminarians and priests coming in itself attracted by the traditional 
movement. Um, one of the things I, 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 that's been in my mind after this notice of a, of, of a, a probable attack coming from, uh, from Rome is what the effect would be on the Archdiocese of New York, because the seminary of the Archdiocese of New York is filled with seminarians who want to say the traditional mass. And what that would be, I think, is the coup de grace for um, the, the, the seminary uh, oh, uh, here in New York. I, I, it, it's, it's inconceivable that the mainstream, the so-called mainstream church will, will survive. Um, it's only the traditional church that provides it with its recruits for the, for, for, for the future. The only one who's going to be, the only ones who are going to be left are the entire oligarchic crowd that has no interest in Catholicism, uh, many of whom could see, be, be seen depicted. Uh, there was a photo op of uh, the whole crew, including Davos people and Rockefeller Foundation people around Pope Francis, labeled the guardians. Um, and they're the only ones who would be, would be left for that. It's too self-conscious now. Um, there's also a clearer awareness in a way that did not exist uh, at the time of the Second Vatican Council of the proper understanding of papal power and the limits of papal infallibility um, without people feeling as though they are dis disloyal. Um, they, they know now uh, how, um, what, the, what, what the focus of their loyalty to the See of Peter is, what the limitations of it are, what the reality um, is, is, is all about. And um, there will be um, a, a battle royal um, if anything um, is done that eats away at, um, at uh, Samorum Pontificum. And given what we've seen, and we've been talking about this whole past hour, about uh, the Enlightenment's destruction of itself and its whole scientific and its whole rational basis uh, that has been underlined by this, uh, this, the reaction, the fraudulent reaction to this, uh, uh, this, 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 you know, rough flu uh, that came, came out of China. Um, what you're going to see in any kind of effort to destroy Samorum Pontificum is, is, is not just um, a battle against what would be considered to be an abuse of papal power, but it's going to be a battle against reason. Um, I mean, against the abuse of reason, because you cannot rationally attack what Benedict did. Uh, in fact, in fact, uh, in preparing for this whole conference, what's interesting to see um, is that what Benedict stated in Sabor Pontificum is exactly what um, on the one hand, Archbishop Lefebvre, and on the other hand, people like, um, uh, like Dr. de Savantum and the Univoce um, uh, movement said from the very beginning that the only answer to this problem is to admit that they could not abolish the traditional mass and they did not abolish the traditional mass. And that was clear already to, a, to the Cardinal, Cardinalatial Commission in 1986 that met and it's what Ratzinger, Pope, Pope Benedict said, ultimately in Samorum Pontificum. What Francis will try to do, or what Francis might do, will be an assault not just on, 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 on the faith, but an assault on reason. Uh, and it, 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 um, um, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. It's not, it's not going to work at all. 
And, and great, please do give my regards to everybody uh, in Britain whom I know and miss and hope someday to be able to see again on British soil.